Hello and welcome to Talking Baseball. The Phillies take game three. They take a lead in the series. Let's recap what happened there. Hello and welcome to Talking Baseball, brought to you by SeatGeek. If you use the if you use the code John Boy Playoffs, you get ten percent off your tickets to anything you want to go. You just got to get the tickets from SeatGeek. Use code John Boy Playoffs. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Sorry, whole Northeast is just sick up here. BBD, you're going to the Yankees game tonight, right? <clears throat> yeah. Do you uh, use code John Boy Playoffs and get ten percent off? Uh, I encouraged my father to, and he decided to bring me and my brother to the game. Nice. He definitely did. Jake and I, if yeah, Jake and I, if Jake is alive and well, Jake's been putting in work this postseason. Uh, honestly, putting in a lot of work. So he's not here, and there's no burn today. And I hope he's getting some rest because we're going to game three tonight. I got tickets on SeatGeek. I think we're going with Kotuck. So I might be uh, me and the Walking Dead in the Yankee Stadium come five o'clock. Trev, you're, when's say, the last time nope. you used code John Boy Playoffs? <laughs> you know what? I got some concert tickets uh, using it as well. Where are you going? It doesn't have to be a sporting event. It could be well, any concert. There's all sorts of stuff. You, you're you going to a concert? Mm-hmm. Who? Elton John. Nice. nice. That's one awesome. of the greatest performers of our lifetime. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing they say about Gene Segura. Because it depends I, on the inning. Well, you know what? Performer, like put on a show. Yeah. Maybe the most entertaining single player performance we've oh, seen. Oh, I get it. So you're telling me Gene Segura was, he planned all that. I'm just saying it the was zood. like. The good plays, the it bad was, uh, running, the hits. Yeah. It was uh the he had the ooh and ah factor that we all look for. <laughs> I mean, that stat at the end was first player in postseason history with an error, an RBI, and picked off in the same inning. <laughs> dude, imagine the thoughts that are going through this guy's head. He's on base. He's like, dude, thank goodness. He's just trying to relax, takes a deep breath, all of a sudden, snap throw over there. Hey, Gene, go get some gummy bears in the dugout, bro. Yeah, it's tough. But, I mean, in the end, I think the good grades out better, especially since his team won. 100%. Now, this is all a laughing matter. We're having fun with it, for sure. Yeah. Well, there's no burn today because Jake isn't here, but the Phillies let off. I'll just go through it real quick, which is how the burns, if anyone wants to know the background of how they came to exist, I used to say we don't need to tell the people what happened in the game for talking Yanks. They people that listen to the podcast, like keep up with the games. Jake was like, no, let me just burn through it real quick. Let me just tell the people what happened real quick. So that's why he was like, let me burn through the game. And I was like, all right, burn it. And then that's how that became. So I think the very beginning of talking Yanks, it was literally something like this. Schwarber leads the Phillies off with a home run, stays hot. Then. Padres tie it up in the fourth inning, but uh, on a Segura error that helped them out. But 
Phillies put two up in the bottom of the fourth to retake the lead, but then the Padres tie it up again in the fifth, but then the Phillies take the lead again in the sixth, and that was that. Bullpens come in, we find status quo, Phillies win fortitude. Fortitude. Great fortitude. Suarez, only two hits for Ranger Suarez. I think that's kind of one of the bigger stories in this whole game was, you know, when you have this series set up the way it is, where you're playing all these days in a row, you really have to figure out ways to to get the outs. I mean, you can't rely on your starters to go seven innings, eight innings. You, you understand that the bullpen's going to play a big factor here. So kind of like what we were talking about with the Yankees game and deciding, you know, what leverage you uh, bullpen to use, uh, Thompson, he made it apparent that he was going out to win this game. You know, Segura, I said Segura, excuse me. Uh, Suarez gets there. How many pitches did he end up throwing? Like 68 or something like that? Exactly 68. 68 pitches through five. Like you mentioned, only the two hits, uh, only one earned run. There was some shoddy defense behind him, and there was some good defense behind him, like we said. But Thompson said after the game, like, that was the plan. If they had a lead, like, he was going to get this game. It is a swing game. We understand, you know, kind of what the math is when you go up two to one. And I think it's something that we could have been questioning if it didn't go right. You bring in Zeflin to Alvarado to Sir Anthony Dominguez for 12 outs. 12 outs is a lot to entrust with, like, three guys. And that's basically been his – that's his crew. Right there, Eflin, Alvarado, Dominguez. It ends up working out a massive double play started by our guy Gene uh, there for Eflin. And that thing was a beauty. First and third, kind of like a chopper, kind of slow, not hit too hard. And to be able to turn like Gene did and have that much zip on the ball to stop was awesome and stop made a great turn they just barely get josh bell out there he ends up belly flopping which is kind of also entertaining a lot of entertaining stuff happening in this game uh but then alvarado and sir anthony dominguez goes two innings to lock it down i mean it was they kind of thompson pushed all his chips to the middle of the table and said i'm all in to win this game and it ended up working out for them man a big Uh, one to do that to show great fortitude in this game yeah musgrove gives up four earned uh, eight hits. And then so actually, before I go to Musgrove, Suarez, I think he walked a ton in his game against the Braves. He did. And this game, he goes 5.1. There's people on base, two hits, but no walks. Like mean, Two hits, no walks. It's pretty good. He said he was really nervous that first game. That's what they were talking about um, uh, during the first inning of last night's game was that Thompson talked to him after that start and said, hey, well, you know, you all right? And he said, you know, I was just really excited, nervous, you know, all the feelings that he's going to have in his first career postseason start. Um, and then to do it again, man, and to provide what he provided was was excellent. And I think, you know, he he had it in him to go more, but there was like a, this, this new term that we have in baseball, this right-handed lane coming up. So uh, Thompson made the decision to go to, to Zeflin, and everything worked out. So now we're like praising him. But remember, these are decisions that we question all the time. Like take that starting pitcher who's given two hits, no walks out with that pitch count. Uh, but you know, when it works, it works. I like the Segura play, and we're bouncing all around, but the one in the seventh, I thought was crazy. Uh the diving play to his left. Uh they had runners on base. 
to end that inning. And he gets up from that. And he's all fired up. Yeah, he had a couple plays just like that. I think one earlier in the game with um, Grisham up, same thing, ranging to his left, um, makes that play. And then I think that other one was on Kim. Uh, but, yeah, dude, he he ran the gamut last night because that another first and third double play ball stopped fielded perfectly, the perfect feed to him. And his body was just a little out of rhythm, man, and he just clanked it. And I love how all the umpires give the guys, like, the benefit of the doubt. Like, oh, no, it's on the transfer. He never <laughs> hits off the side of his glove. San Diego challenges it, wins the challenge, obviously, because the thing never meant it into his glove. Umpires, Gene man. Segura game, baby. How about the umpire at the end of the call? I guess a lot of people probably want to hear about that at the top of this show. Is that's kind of a talking point? BBD is Jake walking in or who's coming? Uh, it's Dan Dan the Tech Man. Oh, okay. How much I? I thought your face light up. I was like, maybe Jake stormed in. Um, that. What do you got on the check swing? I can go first if you want. Well, no. I mean, it was. It was very close. Either way, I think either way, each team's like, yeah, 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 our side, our side, our side. Like Profar saying, man, I was just trying to get out of the way of the ball. I think it's bad. Like the what what I constitute as a swing when I'm watching like slow mos and whatever. It's probably changed now that I'm a fan, but when I see the the end of the bat kind of cross over and be in front of the knob, that to me means you went. No matter where it's at, like if that thing goes like. I think you went and it did. So I think they got the call, right? I know it's very difficult and it's tough when you're trying to get out of the way of the ball, but that's the way of the world, man. If Profar is on the other team, he wants to be rung up. He wants the guy to be rung up. Jake and I do, we do live streams. We watch a lot of baseball together. We're always a little different on check swings and I'm always more. They went, I think they always go and he's the other way. And much like you have influenced Jake and I to dislike starting pitchers. David Cohn has influenced me to say everything's a check swing. And David Cohn's point is if a batter can spoil my strike and foul it off, that's a swing. So if his bat is on top of the plate and he can, if he touches the ball, I don't get a strike anymore. That's a swing. And I think I agree with that a lot. So when I see the bat head go uh, over the plate, like the over the heart of the plate, because a lot of people watch it and they think the bat has to cross the plate in their mm -hmm. brain. And I and Coney has changed my opinion on this. And he's like, you know, and anytime someone just does a check swing, like bunt single that beats the shift or just like bloops over the third baseman's head. Coney's like, oh, but some guys don't even want that as a swing if he doesn't touch the ball. And he's fully changed my mind. And I think, yep, you get that bat head over the white of the plate. You can spoil a pitch. So. That's a swing. I would disagree with him a little bit there. I, I think my interpretation, and maybe that's just everybody interprets it differently. I mean, in the rule book, it's like it's, any, it's like, whatever that ump thinks a swing yeah, is an attempt. Yeah. At a swing. So, like, you know, you have to interpret it your own way. Uh, but, you know, when you watch the slow mos, I think that's the. That's Unfortunately, the umps can't. Judgment. Yeah, but the, the umps don't do get slow mo. Yeah. No. I thought he made the right call. Profar had an all-time reaction. A lot of F-bombs. Fuck you. Uh, fuck you. I thought, at uh, that point, I mean, he's so frustrated because you think you have a great at-bat. You think you worked the walk. 
and you take one and all of a sudden you just get rung up and you know as a hitter in that moment you know that you know your life hangs in the balance on a guy over there who's 100 feet away and you're like please dude just like be on my side on this one and then he wasn't and then yeah you get a little upset man yeah in our big uh, games dude in our blitz ball league we have an official check swing rule it's if it's like if it's what i said because in that in our in blitz ball a bunt can be a home run <laughs> so it's like if your bats over the plate you swing. i intentionally don't try to cross the plate when i swing so tell Coney that with that logic that if he throws like a, a ball behind me but it hits my bat, that shouldn't be a foul ball because that wasn't o- the ball wasn't over the plate. I'd be interested to hear his response because because <laughs> in my head, like if MLB changed that rule, the o- people would just say, "Oh, but that was so fun when that happens." No one would really be like. Everyone would be like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> That <laughs> makes sense. If the bat's behind his head and the ball hits it, it's not a foul ball. You'd, you'd only be missing out on comedy. What else you got in here? I I, I want to touch one more time on uh, Segura's game, and I thought he had some really funny – not funny, insightful. Uh, but I feel like some people would find it a little bit funny. Talks about pressure. In America, and this is something that I've heard from from uh, Latin players, like guys from the DR, Venezuela, all the time. Like we don't feel pressure over here. All the fans are so nice. I'm like, what do you mean? You're like you're in Philly, you're in New York. Like these fans in Chicago, these fans could ride you. They can be brutal. Like, dude, like where we come from, like we're getting death threats and like people are, you know, kidnapping like, people. Yeah, like this is nothing. Like this is fun, you guys. And he said something like that after the game. He says, it's just the way we handle the pressure in the Dominican Republic. Even when we play winter ball, we've got guys in the stands. Hey, when you get out, we're going to kill you. We're going to do something bad to you. It's just the way we play the game out there. And like again, this is not just Gene saying this. I've heard this a ton. So like in these pressure pressure situations, obviously it's still, it's still tough and there is a little bit of pressure, but it's at, at a completely different level here. And I think we saw that with Gene. You know, obviously he's a veteran too. So he's able to kind of put the mistakes behind him. But uh, he definitely had the, the ooze and ahs factor for us last night. That was as entertaining as it gets. Yeah, it's interesting. We talked to the manager of Kaya Yankees about a little bit about the difference between the Dominican players, the players that are coming from um, the, you know, the international draft versus the guys that are coming from uh, college or high school, because the college baseball players they want they have they want to win they they need to win the coaches need to win. Mm-hmm, Whereas mm-hmm. the international signings, they're 16 years old, and the result of the actual games don't matter. Like Jason Dominguez, he hasn't played a game where the result has mattered yet because he. It's true. He grew up in academies in the DR. So when he was like 14, he's just been playing in these showcase leagues, showcase leagues. Okay. Get signs at 16 with the Yankees goes to the minor leagues and the result of the game doesn't matter. And she said a lot of, she said a lot, she said a little opposite, like the 16 year kids, it's, it's harder for them once they finally get to MLB. And now all of a sudden the individual stats don't matter. The game stats matter. You know, it's, it's really interesting to think about the two trajectories of, of players. Think about that. You can be for like, Jason Mingus hasn't played a game where the, the result of the game mattered since he was 14 years old. 
Yeah, and we're getting a little bit off track here, but yeah. the minor leagues is like that for everybody too. It's it's you want to win because it creates the atmosphere that you need to create winning players, mm-hmm. and you know you want to have a good collection of players on your team. So usually, if you have a better collection of players, you're going to win the game. Uh, but in the end, yeah, it is about you know development, and you'll have pitchers that aren't allowed to throw their changeup, or there's organizational rule with the Yankees, I believe, at one point where they had to take a strike. Mm. Imagine that. I'm pretty sure it was the Yankees too. You had to take a strike, and they're they were trying to improve plate discipline and seeing more pitches. But like, I don't hate it. But it's you weird. would if you're the batter. Yeah. <laughs> and then people start to especially realize, if the oh, other team knows they do. It take very it's, it happens very quickly. Oh, no one's swinging until they get a strike, and this is like first pitch fastball. And I think that's that's counterproductive right there. So. For the Padres, they're down two to one. But how about Bell and Drury? I mean, these guys were doing nothing, and now they ha- they both have four hits on this series. Uh, Homer each, uh, a couple RBIs each. They have hit that Drury has two hits in this game. Bell's a pinch hit, hit in this game. I think they're. I think the the Padres are. You know, they're obviously they're down in the hole here a little bit, but you got a bullpen game for. The Phillies, where you're starting falter, and you're going to get some out of him and and Syndergaard, and and we'll see uh, the the other path that Thompson takes. And then for the Padres, you know you have Clev going, and you have all your good bullpen ready to go. I think Sir Anthony Dominguez is probably out of here for the Phillies tonight. Um, but the Padres have all hands on deck, and I expect Melvin to approach the game the same way that Thompson approached last night's game, where he's pushing his chips to the table. You can't go three, you can't go down three one. If you win tonight, you got your guy, you Darvish on the mound for the next game going up against Wheeler. So it's like as much as this 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 game was a swing game, I think, I mean, this is must win for the Padres and even maybe even more of a swing game than the last one. Well, the Phillies are throwing Bailey Falter. Yes. Didn't see he said, that coming. Melvin said there's a little more left-handed threat in the lineup. So they wanted the lefty to start the game. And then I assume we'll see how far he can go. It's funny because, you know, they mentioned he hasn't pitched since the regular season. And so some people are like, oh, he's rusty. And then JT Ramuto is like, oh, we got a fresh arm out there. He hasn't pitched, so he's fresh. So you're either fresh or you're rusty, depending on who you talk to. So they're going to see what happens with him. Savali hadn't pitched either. I think you you talk about Suarez saying he was nervous, so I would expect more of that. And, yeah, I think it's going to be a short leash. Bailey Falter is one of the – Worst names in baseball. I think you, I think, I think one of the two is good, but the combo just gets me all the time. Bailey Falter. I like Bailey. It's like a bay leaf or Bailey's in your coffee. Fault. I fault. Bailey's fault. That's the headline tomorrow. Uh, Damn, that's crushing. That's rude. I'm sorry no. I said that. <laughs> that would be a bad. <laughs> what else we got from this game? You must grow through all right. You know, some soft contact against him, you know, possibly on Bohm's, uh RBI, like Soto just kind of whiffed it. I know it was a tough play, but. I mean, so- we- Soto needs to get going. Those two guys you just said is the two guys where Philly was like, we think Schwarber's getting going. We think he's looking better. And Soto said, I there's just one, one thing away. I'm getting I'm getting there one thing away. Well, Schwarber came to fruition and Soto hasn't yet. I mean, Soto's having a bad postseason. And Schwarber was having a bad postseason. Now he's absolutely crushing balls. So that's a little bit of like if you try to find narratives, there's a big difference. 
those two guys, one clicked, one hasn't. Yeah, I mean, I think I wouldn't bet against Juan Soto getting it going. That's for dang sure. But defensively, he's never going to, you know, light it up out there. Gold that's what we've seen. We said at the beginning of this series, like we're going to see some really good defense and we're going to see some bad defense. And that's kind of how it's been. You know, every once in a while, you're going to get a bad play out there. And that's that's been – there's been some capitalizing of those bad plays. And I saw that's, I guess, something that we'll watch for in, in game four here is, you know, who's who's playing better defensively. Baseball! Total got a gold glove nomination. Just, just to say something funny at the end here. He did. He did. A lot of people on that list. I'm not so sure. We interviewed. I Jason. never got a freaking finalist gold glove, even though I led the MLB third baseman in a ton of categories one year. What year? Wasn't I? I didn't lead all, but I was like top three in the AL for some of the categories. Okay. What category did you hold nearest to your heart? Maybe 14 or 15. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we had Jason Kendall explain how uh, gold glove voting happened back in his day, and it was pretty eye-opening. Yeah. He said, yeah. Maybe I won't spoil it for everyone. Go listen to that podcast, but take gold glove nominees with a grain of salt. I mean, Soto did nothing. They they just circled a name they knew on the sheet. <laughs> Honestly. It's it seems like that. That list is like I said, they came out last night was it was something. They need to make packages. Like it's not hard. I just went and watched every ball Jameson Tyone fielded, and it took me five minutes to do it. So like before these the coaches gold glove is just come on with that. None of them should have a gold glove. I think that's a disgrace to the gold gloves. Used to give them silver sloggers too. <laughs> That's nuts. They used to give him silver sluggers. Who caught who caught the ball? The pitcher that caught the ball was that Savvy. It was Savvy. Oh my gosh! Talk about a roller coaster right there. Yeah. Watching him try to catch that ball. Yep. Pretty low. Pretty ball. Like a, a forty foot high fly ball. Dude, it is jarring. How bad they look in comparison. When they have, they play catch or have a catch every day. Hey, Musgrove made a nice play. How about that? Yeah, there were some good fielding pitchers. It's a good, but. good point on the making packages thing. Like they, they do that for Hall of Famers and stuff. Like they send the voters like a bunch of stuff. It'd be funny if they made packages and like one guy's was like five minutes long and then like Juan Soto's was like 30 seconds long. It's like, here's your yeah. highlights. Yeah, highlights, lowlights, every ball played. Like, I don't know. Because I don't know how Tyone got a nomination after watching every play. I think it's just like who we need to find a pitcher that we like. Yeah. Circle a pitcher who's got a good reputation as being a nice guy. Um, all right, I have one question for you, Trev. We that's not about this series at all. But so if we want to wrap up the series, I mean, do you I kind of think that the Padres are gonna tie it up here. Because it seems like the Phillies aren't playing with house money or Phillies are playing a little loose and the Padres have to play strong. And I do like the Padres all out effort. It just depends, man. If the Phillies offense shows up and we get, you know, a couple home runs from from those top five guys, if Schwarber starts to hit the long ball like he has been, if Harper comes through in a big situation, I mean, 
this series could go get away from the Padres very, very quickly. Well, you know what? It's the same um, thing when the Yankees especially like that crowd is awesome and 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 they're playing with like some energy there. The same thing when the Yankees face Savali. The if the Padres don't score on falter or or in the first three innings, it might be not be good. But if they get up early, I think the Phillies are are going to say, okay, well, bullpen's down. We'll go to our B squad and and try to have the offense sneak a win. Otherwise, we feel yeah, good. If I'm a Padres fan, I think the same thing that you're saying. Like, hey, man, like they're they're going bullpen day. We're going all out. Um, let's go score first and make them put like their B guys in. Let's go take this game. Let's get it back to you. And then we'll get back to San Diego. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. And they could be, they're, they're right about that. I mean, this is, this series is still very, very much up in the air. Very, very much. You, is funny. you Darvish. I have a question for you, Trev. How did yes. you used to find out the lineup when you played? It depended on the coach. Um, most of the time, they let you know the night before. Uh, the good ones would have the like the lineup for the next day on the lineup of or like the board of that game. So that was fun. Sometimes you wouldn't find out till you got there. So like you're playing, you're playing Thursday, and it says you know tomorrow. the Friday lineup. Yeah, during the game. Yeah, pretty much. And there can there's always the caveat that it could change depending on what happened in the game. Um. And then there'd be times where you, when you're a veteran, more so, you you'd get a text from the manager, "Hey, like you're off tomorrow. Hey, you're, we're gonna put you here." It was really nice to know, "Hey, you're off tomorrow," because then they're like, "Hey, go like go have some glass, yeah, go get a glass of wine, or you know, go take your mind off the game. You're gonna be sitting tomorrow." Because there's a Yankee situation. I wasn't on the Yankee episode yesterday, and I genuinely don't know if this is a flaw in the system bad or this is nothing and i shouldn't have any no, yankee fans shouldn't have any opinion on it but harrison bader's been batting ninth they switch him to the leadoff spot first time he batted leadoff for the yankees uh and there was no boone didn't have a conversation with him about that decision which i thought you would like hey man Thinking about yeah. you know, you're down. Thinking about putting you lead off. How you feel about that? Something like that. Instead, the Yankees just send the lineup in a group text, which is very easy to get lost if people start responding to it. And like Bader didn't check his text. He might not be a big check my text guy. So Lauren Shahadi broke the news to him during the pregame. Like you're leading off today. How do you feel about that? And he was like, I just found out. She's like, <laughs> I told you. He's like, yeah, he was like, yeah, I've been locked in on other stuff. But yeah, that's cool. And yeah, I don't some know. Guys don't care. Some guys don't care. I I, I always like to know because I started to visualize like, you know, at bats and stuff like that, you know, where I'd be coming up, who would be the pitcher that I'd be facing, what kind of, you know, who am I hitting behind, all that stuff. But it's interesting. I like that they send it out. It's, it's As long as you communicate it, and it was up to Bader to, to see that. I mean, as long as you communicate it, that's, that's okay. all that players want. Yeah, I think – Cause I don't know for me, it's like, wouldn't you want to ask Bader? Like, what if like, Hey dude, are you comfortable leading off? You think so? You think they you'd want to have that discussion before? Don't you think like they probably had the discussion and, and then not like specifically that game, but Hey, you might see some run a lead off position. How do you feel about that? From what I know about the Yankees from talking to guys that played there, I would bet heavily. They did not have that conversation. They need some communication. Well, Boone was hired because he's a master communicator. 
Okay, doesn't even tell the masturbator who's leading off. Weird. All right, All well, right. I gotta say, I gotta say it once before we end this show. Yeah, Phillies and Padres show great fortitude. Phillies win the game, four to two. Jake that just is... texted us. What do you say? Just woke up. My bad. <laughs> I might release the picture I got of him at five in the morning. Let me see it. Chick sucks. Can I show it right now? That's not appropriate. How's it not appropriate? Five in the morning. 